Hi, and welcome to Walk On Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Kibler. Uh, thanks so much for downloading, listening. Uh, if you are on the off chance, not a friend or a family member of mine, and you're listening to this, thanks for the, the trust, and I know your time is valuable, and you have many podcasts to listen to. Uh, there is never enough podcasts out there. Um, but a little bit about me and my, why I'm doing this. Um, first off, I want to thank UCB for taking opportunity, uh, for giving me this opportunity and taking a chance on me. Um, my story is I produced a documentary on my life uh, called Walk On, which is the basis of the podcast. that followed my story from being born HIV positive and disabled. I was told I was never going to live past four and I was never going to walk. And about five years ago, I started the documentary where I trained to walk 6.2 miles in the LA AIDS walk. That film gave me the platform to share my story and connect with others. And I want to do the same for you guys. And I want to share stories from others who are disabled, who have overcome their obstacles, whether it's in entertainment, uh, working in, in sports, working in healthcare, government. Uh, I'm super excited to have people on here who can just share what they've gone through, and I hope you enjoy what we do here. Uh, my first guest is going to be Katie Sullivan, who is an actress and athlete who is a double above-the-knee amputee. Uh, we're going to share her story. She's also on the documentary, Walk On, and I'm just so excited for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, here's the interview, and uh, thanks so much. Uh, I took a, a little bit of time to actually go on vacation. That's good. Um, which uh, was really kind of needed. Uh, I've never been to the Hamptons, and um, my cousin has a house there, and she's like, it's empty, and um, you should go there. And I was like, you had me at empty. <laughs> so <laughs> so I went and hung out at my, my cousin's house for a, you know, for a, for a week, and I love. I haven't been to the Hamptons, which is like I haven't been to the Hamptons. But yes, I'm, I'm darling, been, you darling. haven't been. If you yeah. haven't been to the Hamptons, you <laughs> really must go. I had only <laughs> gone like once or twice when I was doing a disabled camp, and mm. they had a they have a, like a, a nice camp out there, Southampton Fresh Air Home, and it's like an all disabled camp. And I used to go when I was a kid when How I was living cool in New York. That? Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's, but that's like, and that is far from like the Hamptons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, okay, we're in the woods. This is where <laughs> they allow the disabled children exactly. to play off exactly. in, a, in a far corner of the Hamptons, <laughs> not near any of the fancy no. people. In a restricted, accessible area. <laughs> yeah. Please stay within your pen <laughs> and play nicely with others. Uh, <laughs> that's yes. awesome, though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun back then. I went to a, um, I went to a handicap. I mean, whatever disabled yeah. camp. Okay, what is what is your term? Because I don't, I don't care. I, I really don't care. I don't either. And and we've had a, you know, the play. I I just got done doing a play um, in Manhattan, uh, in Manhattan Theater Club called Cost of Living, and um, there were two. There's four actors in the show, but two of us were disabled, and um, and there was a lot of conversation of like vocabulary and how to what terms do we use and how is it what's what. I feel like people are so, they fall, they err on like two PC. Right. And then they're afraid to say anything. Um, and I, I mean, I don't love the word handicap. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just seems a little old, oh, antiquated. Um, disabled doesn't bother me. No. I mean, to me, I just prefer people having the damn conversations to begin with instead of being afraid to like. Uh, yeah, up. to speak up about yeah. it. And like, 
because I don't care about disabled. I I I always lean on the side of inappropriate because that's just sure. me. Yeah. And I get all my friends in trouble because yeah. then they think that's okay to talk to and every then, single person like, like that. I was hanging out with my cripple friend and they're like, oh, you can't say that. <laughs> but it's like, it, to me, it. I also get irritated by the, like, oh, you're not disabled, you're able. Like, it's like differently, differently able. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't like, no, there is a physical impairment. There's yeah. a struggle. That's fine. It's like, you don't have to come up with a fluff word for it. Yeah. Like. There is a difference. We have a difference. We have something to overcome. That's yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. And let's just be cool with that. I it, I've started to use. Um, I mean, especially when I'm just kind of speaking about myself or speaking about a situation, I tend to say um, things like physical circumstance, mm. um, stuff like that. Because I'm I, fancy. I, yeah. I, like I that. mean, so I'm I'm very educated, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I know big words. <laughs> But um, to me, that's sort of like it's, you know, whatever that means to you. Everybody's got a different physical circumstance. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. Because it is. It's true. Every single person has. Because I believe everyone has a internal and external disability and something that keeps them back. And a lot of times it's not visually present. And so we just, you know, our impairments or our obstacles are just a lot easier to see right often and yeah. we, we all have other things we all have baggage so whatever yeah um but so let's i want to get back to cost of living yes so you just finished manhattan theater club right um how long was the run uh i was in new york for almost four months uh so um yeah so i was that and that included rehearsal right and stuff like that so um uh yeah it was it's a it's a play about um Two sets of two couples, you know, two sets of people, and um, one person in each one is a caregiver, and then the other person is somebody who needs okay. care. And it's those those two stories sort of dancing around each other. You don't really know how they're related or connected in any way, and until the very end. Okay. And um, um, my side of things, um, it's kind of also the spectrum of. Um, it deals with uh, peop- the kind of haves and the have-nots. The other end of things is um, a guy named John who is played by a friend of mine, um, actor named Greg Mazgala, and he um, has cerebral palsy and needs a caregiver, And uh, but he comes from money, from wealth. Okay. And then our end of the spectrum is sort of like trying to make ends meet and how does that, you know, the difference between somebody's like, I can make decisions based on financial what I want instead of I actually need this. I actually really need for, for somebody to my character had a spinal cord injury. And so, um, she needed care, you know, basically 24 hours a day. So now I just want like, obviously your disability is not a spinal cord injury. So how was it for you to portray? Like, cause that's always the thing that comes up with disabled actors, especially like, you know, even when we go for roles, it's you're playing disabled, which is the overall, but the disability, yeah. it, they're so different and they're so, they relate to everyone so personally in that way. So like for the process, for you, how is it kind of? I wasn't really certain that, um, I wasn't really certain that they were even going to really consider me um, for the role, to be honest, because um, I, I don't, I'm a double amputee. I was born you know, without my legs and, um, 
it's kind of all I've ever known. And this character was written to have a spinal cord injury. And I was just like, they seemed to want such authentic physical circumstances. (laughs) Um, But at the end of the day, they they wanted to be true to to having somebody portray this character that had a disability. But um, but they wanted to also get the best actor that they could. So I think they kind of. I want I won out because I think of of my skill as an yeah. actor, but um, but then we had to have conversations about okay, what exactly happened to her in this car accident? And my pitch to them was I think she lost her legs too. Yeah. So um, we and then it was like, and if that is the case, she wouldn't be sitting in a wheelchair wearing prosthetic legs. It just doesn't make any sense. She'd be worried about pressure sores, and it just, especially at the point where we meet her, she's not concerned about the the appearance of you right. know. She's kind of had her whole life crump, you know, smashed in front of her. Which so. is, I mean, I think that's an important topic to discuss in terms of like. Sometimes story trumps the the specifics in the sense of like getting caught in the specifics, getting worried about the specifics, and the fact that you you know you are a disabled actor in the role is great enough in itself that sometimes I feel like we get boggled down by like it being the right thing, and not to say that we sh- we should always cast with the right thing in mind, but right. talent, and I mean you're definitely coming from a place of truth, yeah. So that should also Trump and you, I, God, I don't even want to say that word yeah. but it's funny that's actually we um uh we that word is in that was in cost of living and I said it like in this one section I said it like three times and she cut two of them because she was like uh, we're just gonna gloss over it yeah and like hopefully because um it was you know I punched it a lot more earlier on and things like that and everybody was just like, it's like Voldemort. Like nobody wants I, to, like nobody wants to say his name. <laughs> uh, but so the and the overall thing is, it's it, it matters more. Yes, that your your performance and just the story can and the story can live on. You can have a full story without it. Without getting boggled down and being like, well, why is that? That doesn't make sense. Or why wouldn't, you know, you can, there's a more emotional reach. Absolutely. Than- I mean, I, I think it's twofold. It was interesting that there were a lot of people. This, God, it's so interesting. It's so fascinating. Um, the world that we live in, what people are used to seeing in terms of what, you know, mm-hmm. disability and things like that. Uh, I, in talkbacks and things, there was this one woman in a talkback one day that said when I wheeled out on stage in my wheelchair and I had, you know, I was sitting there. Now, part of it was that I was playing a quadriplegic with a very high injury. So the only movement that I had was in shoulders and mm-hmm. one of my arms. The other arm was totally stationary, right. which is a really hard thing to do for somebody who has movement. And I'm I t- I'm very animated. I'm like you're so. like me. I mean, I'm Italian, so I talk with my hands yeah. <laughs> regardless. But you are very it was, visually. It was yeah. I had to do a lot of deep breathing <laughs> and like a lot of you know. And there were days, obviously, that your like nose would itch on stage, and you'd just be like, I'm just fucked. There's nothing I can. That's when you use it. That's when yeah, you use that's, that. Yeah, use it. Oh God. Anyway, <laughs> but 
this woman said to me in this talk back, she was like, I kept trying to figure out the trick, like, because I wasn't moving. So it almost, people were like, they were like, is it a trick wheelchair? Is her bot, like, is, are her, is it a dummy, like half of this thing? And she's somewhere, the rest of her is inside this wheelchair. <laughs> she was like, I was looking for the trick camera. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 15 feet away from you. Yeah. And you, I don't understand. People just, are so used to like CGI or like, things no, I'm being. Just a, I'm a good actor. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> it, I just was born without my legs, and I, people just aren't. They don't have. They've never seen it. It's very black and white. It's like if you're, you're in a wheelchair, you're disabled, or if you're not in a wheelchair, you're not disabled. Yeah, and they don't. There's no understanding of like anything other than that. It's simple as it's. It's fascinating. Oh yeah, well, even walking down the street, which I'm sure you've get your plenty of of interesting comments yeah. like i get a completely different reaction if i'm in my wheelchair as opposed to if i'm walking with my cane totally um do you find like with that and in, in terms of probably like the way maybe you're dressed if you if you're um if if it's more visible or not do you find that there's a difference or? totally i mean i feel like um if i have on a pair of jeans and like regular shoes or whatever people will like come up to me in the grocery store or whatever and just be like Oh, did you hurt your foot? <laughs> and be like, ah, it's just been a really long day. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's not my obligation to be the right. ambassador for all people with disabilities at all times. But um, no, when people uh, people see me often, um, I mean, I'm I'm very open about my body, and I, um, I mean, I'm not a stripper or anything, <laughs> but like, I'm very like. Open about the fact that like this is who I am and and this is what my body looks like and I, I wear skirts and I wear shorts and things like that and people can see my prosthetic legs, um, but I get asked all the time if people should be thanking me for my military service. Oh, because yeah. I'm a young person yeah. who uh, is dis you know is an amputee. So clearly, I was in Afghanistan. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I work out <laughs> my upper body and I have muscles. So then, I, of course, I was a military. I've gotten. I went to a war, like a convent, like a like a function for a friend of mine to support him. Yeah, and we were standing together, and he got completely like ignored, and they thanked me for my service, and I felt so horrible. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's the weirdest things happen sometimes with people, and I just think, but people like uh, uh, Greg always talks about the fact that um, having uh, my friend who was in cost of living with me um, talks about all the time that sort of like, you know, the idea of like, obviously all the world is a stage, whatever. But um, for people with disabilities, we're always on stage. <laughs> we're always yeah. on display. People are always looking at us either, either, you know, side eye trying to figure out what's going on or, or looking at us differently or children are coming up and asking us questions or, you know, being their, you know, parents are like putting their hands over their mouths so they'll stop going, what happened to that? person you know um you you can't really escape it well no and i think there's also some times where i find i even will project it when it's not happening mm -hmm. like because it happens so often that i go into circumstances and i find myself being like so much more like i want to make excuses or if i trip a little i always want to be the one to make the joke first of yeah. like I'm going to throw out the disabled joke so that everyone's comfortable when it's not even 
the thought, but it's it's hard not to. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's those are pretty deep seated coping mechanisms that we have put. I mean, you and I are both. I think um, we tend to use humor a lot to sort of deflect, but mm-hmm. also cope with shit. We can't we can't do anything about our our circumstances that we've been handed both of us it was birth it was something that was just given to us and just sort of like here you go day one congratulations you're gonna have it's Uh, gonna be a struggle welcome (laughs) to the you welcome to the earth but um well and let's talk a a little about that like i want to go into that because we haven't really talked much in terms of like growing up with it because there is there is a divide that's funny because like I did my research. I have my notes. I have oh. my little bullet points of things I wanted to talk about. And yeah. it's just been going so well. So it's been going right into this. But yeah. this is what I want to talk about is there's a definite divide between having an accident or becoming disabled and being born disabled. There's a different like in terms of perspective, mm-hmm. emotional stakes, um, just just complete outlook. Yeah. Um, so for you, what was it like growing up with a disability from? I mean, I think. For the most part, I uh, I spent a lot of my childhood, young adulthood, sort of what I called practicing the art of blending in. I mean, I really just wanted to, I mean, I wore cosmetic covers. I didn't own a pair of shorts or, a, you know, a dress that was above my knee or, right. you know, anything like that. And um, because I wanted people to notice me because I'm, you know, intelligent and witty and stunningly gorgeous. And like, not (laughs) not because, yeah, but not because, you know, I have metal sticks for legs, which, you know, it's pretty badass. But there are times when you just want, you know, for people to see the human, you know, first. And I think that's, to me, growing up this way, um, I... I did practice the art of blending in for a really long time. And it was actually, it was kind of running. It was, it was me getting into this space of, of being, you know, starting to be a competitive runner, um, which is sort of a really random chapter in my life in general, but. Um, and we're definitely going to get into that stuff as well. No, too. sure. But, but like, um, I had to get to a deeper place of self-acceptance at that point where I was just like, I can't hide behind these carbon fiber running feet that don't look anything like a normal leg. Um, I can't put pants over them and have them kind of go away. Right. So, um, but I think growing up this way, uh, gosh, I I realized early on that if I was going to do the things that I wanted to do, I was going to have to work 10 times harder than an able-bodied kid or person or whatever. If I was going to be doing the things that I wanted to be doing, and I did, I do not have small dreams. Right. I have no. You've picked big you've ass picked dreams. The, <laughs> the toughest things in the world to to excel at. You've decided as your career. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I should go have my head checked. Maybe I have more hey, of a no. disability than I think. But um, but you're touching. You have because I always said that too. It's like you're you have to fight so hard to reach to neutral. You have to fight so hard just to get to where everyone else gets to start. To zero. From. Yeah. To zero. Yeah. And it, it, it's true. It's you. But I think that that's the drive and not to get overly corny and inspirational, but yeah. that's the drive that makes you not only reach neutral, but excel beyond that to where other people don't even realize they could go. Yeah. 
and you are and you end up as like the first one in the room, the first one there at production or the first one at uh, training. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. For yourself. Right. Not even just for other people. I mean, they're early on sort of in my auditioning career. And I obviously, you know, I think theater is sort of where we all start as yeah. actors, you know, growing up and um, whatever. But um, for me, it was um, I would always have to go and do like re- extra research. Like, are there stairs walking up to this uh, stage? If I'm going to go and do an audition and I'm going to do um, they want me to do a monologue and a song. Like, what does the room look like? Right. It's, what it's, am I walking into so that I don't put myself at, at it, so that I'm not feeling insecure just because of walking into the room. Right. Before I actually even open my mouth to do what I what I need to do as a performer. And it's surprising, too, even when it's a disabled-focused role, how many rooms aren't accessible. Yeah. And they don't even—it's not it's even not a even, thought. Yeah. It's not even the the awareness of, oh, maybe a wheelchair can't fit into this tiny room, or maybe somebody who, you know, has trouble with, oh, okay, so let's, let's put this up a flight of stairs. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a great plan. Uh, yeah, no, people just aren't um, aware. It's it is the we're sort of this invisible uh, group of people in a lot of ways. Well, and, and even in the discussion, I'm on all like forums. On I love you know, I I never post on forums, mm. but I I will view every forum on diversity and sure. like, read and read. And it's so interesting to me to see a lot of people who are very positively forward about diversity and unrepresented groups. And even in their post of like, we need, you know, gender equality, we need, sex, you know, uh, sexual orientation, we need. And more often than not, disability is still even left off oh, yeah. on those lists. And and individuals with disabilities are the largest minority in our country in our world right it's almost 20 percent of the population lives their life with some sort of disability and we are the least represented in 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 our entertainment and in the media and i'm not and and part of it sounds like a little bit like you know oh boo there's you know it's so hard to be a performer it's like no but you it it's the trickle down effect of how people see the world around them right and then ultimately how people you know so- someone in nebraska is gonna be no not that there's anything wrong with nebraska it was just this first yeah, state we, that we, i we, yeah we don't we're not against yeah, nebraska like here on nebraska. the podcast thank you great we love nebraska but i'm but my point is um if if some random person walking me on the street in middle you know somewhere in the middle uh, see somebody in a wheelchair and then they feel comfortable to just say hello to them yeah. because they've seen it, it. It normalizes it. It brings something that people are afraid of into their living rooms. That's where we're sort of, I feel like we're at a, at a pretty cool tipping we're, point. We're though. D- we definitely are. And it's, it's not even just about getting disabled roles on TV and getting, but not just being about disabled stories. And I think that's the huge push that we're leaning towards. Finally, right. Is like having roles that just, a disabled person can play and it doesn't have to be like I was in a car accident and now I'm trying to become a doctor because yeah. I had to work on my like it doesn't have to be this intricate thing it can people with disabilities have daily functioning lives with different jobs <laughs> yeah and <laughs> tell me more about this I joke. know right yeah okay this is a secret this is 
<laughs> We've kept this under wraps, but there we're in. There are people with disabilities that have jobs. jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers and doctors and, and you know, mechanics. Oh my. Mechan- <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, it is, um, it, it's interesting to it's it's starting to see those things where it's exactly what you said. It's not like oh we're gonna write a it's a very special episode of of oh, you know yeah. NCIS or whatever <laughs> it is where um you know they they go and have a conversation with that veteran that you know I'm not I'm actually speaking from my own personal experience but. Th- but just saying like okay why can't this person who is um a you know a double amputee or somebody who walks with a with you know a cane or whatever um why can't that person also be a lawyer right or even just like the cashier who has two line like i've been yeah. excited over two line co-star roles that have nothing to do with the disability over ones that are like this entire episode is going to be about how you were uh we'll pull into other things you know like a a crime uh, hacker who's in disability who drives cars with, like, a computer because you're disabled and you have to do it that way. Stop talking about yourself. Hey, hey. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm, I'm just, you know. I'm just kidding. You got your war vet and I got my... You're a hacker. A hacker and bad guys and good guys and... I think it's interesting. I, I, um... Here's the debate and maybe get your perspective on this. I went... I had a... I got called in for a play while I was in New York um, to read for some a different, totally different play. Right. Um, it was an able-bodied role. She had nothing to do with the fact that she it's not written to have a disability. She's a lawyer. It was an incredible part. I was so excited. Just I was just excited to be called. I mean, obviously called in to another to read right, for another off Broadway play and um and that people thought I had done good work so they brought me in to something else and that's amazing but I um I went into the room with a skirt on and just sort of being open about you know who I am and what this looks like and whatever um and I and I'm really proud of the audition. Like I know I did yeah. a good job. I it was nine pages. It was a lot of dialogue. It was a lot of legalese. Um, and theater's not like TV. They give you, <laughs> they give you, they gave me like a you know almost a week to work on it before I had right. to go in, um, five days or whatever. And um, uh, and I didn't ultimately get cast. And I didn't even get a callback. And I know, and I know I killed that audition. Right. And so then I go back and I'm starting to like second guess or question, should I have worn pants? Should I have like, should I have gone in and, and, and presented myself in such a way that it was like, I can look able-bodied. Oh, so thinking like they just couldn't see past the idea of like, oh. What statement would we be making if this lawyer had lost both of her legs? Right. I, I mean... In my opinion, obviously, they had to have known about you and they know that situation. So it's like because I did the same. I would do the same thing. It's like hide or like try to be what they want as opposed to what you are. And I guess it would be different if if this were people that had not seen me and didn't yeah. know anything about but if me. They see you. It's, they should have that understanding of that's what's coming in the room. You would think. But there's a lot of times where that that doesn't happen and you just they overthink it. And I think they worry 
they put it on the people. They put it on the audiences that the audiences are not going to get it. Yeah. Or they're not going to, they're going to have questions. And it's like, no, it's just, an, it, if anything, I feel like what we bring to the table is depth. Like you create a backstory without saying one word in exactly. exposition by just being. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's probably what they felt or they were worried about. But if you kill, I mean, I, talent I, overcomes anything. And here's here's what I what I kind of have to just sort of. Uh, I mean, I I know I did well. So at least a director who I had not met before has seen me work, and the casting director she had seen me before, and she came to she was she saw Cost of Living, and she you know she brought me in because of that, and right. um. So obviously you don't get every role that you audition for, but it we're in this in this conundrum conundrum of like this space, this like really complicated space of like, do we expose this or do we not? Um, Do we how much do we tip our hand? How much do we try to? um, It's that it's this huge balance. And, And I agree with you. I think it can color a character um add shade shading to a character without again like you said without even opening your mouth this person's already lived a life the second oh, yeah. they walk on stage and everyone can see that and they can fill in whatever blanks they want yeah which i think is the goal yeah it's like to have that uh, that represented i think also just where we are now it's yeah. like i'm always you know there's the argument of like disabled act or roles getting to able-bodied actors and I'm very different in the sense of like I'm okay with that idea as long as we're all getting to play if we're all getting to go in for every role and it's only talent but it's a legitimate but, opportunity yes I feel like exactly. a lot of times thing people are people are brought in as an after fact yes or brought in as a um well we kind of have to and then so we'll bring all these people in and then but we'll just cast that able guy and we'll sit him down in a wheelchair because that's the plan. That was the plan. That was from the, the plan. From the, yeah. <laughs> and there, there's a definite. That's dif- a difference. That's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely times where it's like, OK, this is all part of a negotiation as opposed to. It, it's a facade. A facade. Yeah. It's a show of yeah. like, no, we did our due, due diligence to like see people. And it's like, well, no, because that person was already cast. Right. Like you guys called in all the wheelchair guys. Yeah. After the fact. Yes. Um, I'm not talking about any particular show on television currently right now no no not at all um not at all <laughs> but but even going into that i mean you've you know you've had your time on on tv and in theater i mean you've i was doing because i didn't know you you have a wiki by the way you have a wikipedia i do and i'm on I was, wikipedia i was like that's so weird a friend of mine's <laughs> on wikipedia you know what's funny is that when I didn't know I was on Wikipedia for a really long time. And then I looked at my Wikipedia page and um, it was so wrong <laughs> that it was like hilarious. Like apparently I broke a world record um, at age nine and I didn't start running until I was 25. And, um, and so, oh, OK, let me cross that one yeah, off my right, notes. Exactly. Like, congratulations on your <sighs> your world record when you were nine years old. Um, and uh and like things like I got, I mean, if you did the math, it was like I, d- I got married as a teenager and stuff like that. It was just like, I don't really understand. Like, so I love wrong. That. I love it, though. I love that. It's like, who who does that? And I was like, I just I wanted to Google, you know, because I'm like, I know you. But yeah. I want to, 
I want to know some, maybe there's a few things I don't know. Yeah. And clearly things like you were married as a teenager. Yes. I, I, I was, was a child not, bride. You were a child bride. <laughs> I was unaware of. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's interesting though. But then the funny thing was, is I at one point went in, because you can edit yeah. Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and I tried to go in and like edit a bunch of stuff. And they put it back because they said that it was sourced from an article. And like they were like, well, this is what. And I'm like, but it's about me. I'm the human that this is about. Well, and you know, articles are never wrong. Uh, Nothing's ever wrong with an article. I'm not saying anything bad about journalists, but they. I've had more. I'm I'm actually like pleasantly surprised when an article comes out and I'm like, oh, wow, this they actually got 95% of this right. Well, what was it? Even when we were um so like how, you know, to to go in this a little more, you and I met because we were doing my documentary Walk On, which yep. is the basis of the podcast. Yeah. And during that festival run, we had so many articles done and it was always hilarious because they would like they would get the facts Right, separate from the human beings they're attached to. Right, and they would because it was me, you, Jay. It was all the the people in the film. Yeah, and they would just mix up our disabilities and <laughs> our like backstories with one another. So at one point, I was a quadriplegic who was walking six point two miles. Yeah, in the LA AIDS walk, and you were a stand up comedian. Uh-huh. It, it, it's so funny how things just get lost in translation. Yeah, um, but to. Kind of go, but yeah. I don't know that people even know. Um, like people have called me a paraplegic, and I'm just like, do you even? I just feel like people toss around words that they don't even really right. understand. <laughs> and that's getting to the bigger discussion of like having education it and, education, and yeah. also even just having it on TV, having those specific disabilities talked about in a very real way and yeah. a very accurate way, and and digestible. Yes. To to the average person who hasn't been in and out of doctor's offices their entire life. Right. <laughs> so getting into TV, getting into the theater stuff, you've done a few different things. You've done uh, Legit, My Name is Earl, Last Man Standing, yeah. NCIS New Orleans, and then obviously Cost of Living with the Manhattan Theater Club, which before that it was at a different theater in Massachusetts, Yeah, right? it was in Williamstown Theater Festival. So like all the things you've done, and you also got to work with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, which yeah. I, did, I didn't actually realize. Yeah. I didn't, remember. I didn't know. That was the research. Yeah. That was one of the few, like, I was like, oh, wow, okay, well, I want to talk about this. Yeah. But of all the stuff you've done, where do you feel you've felt most, most comfortable and just, not just from a disability standpoint, from an actor standpoint? Like what have you liked the most, TV, theater, I I love TV. Um, I love the pace of it. I love um, I I love that you get to kind of work on something and then let it go. Right. Um, I think theater theater is a totally different challenge. Theater to me is more about stamina and the ability to to get on the to get on the roller coaster and go on the ride eight. Or nine times a week for like four months. For months and <laughs> months at a time, um, it's it's exhausting and it's um, it's emotionally draining too. Um, so, theater is its own monster um, and a beautiful challenge and, a, and an awesome monster. I think it's important to, you know, it's interesting to work to do be doing both. 
um, and working with actors who do, you know, doing theater that have done a lot of TV um, and even just looking at like how difficult it is to to memorize lines. Right. Like you have to memorize lines in theater in a way that you don't in TV. It, TV, it's very quick. It's very um, it's it's not often super challenging kind of dialogue. And that it's I, loose you know, because it changes. Exactly. You get new pages first thing in the morning when <laughs> yeah. you're getting when you're in hair and makeup. Um, and on set, the director could be like, let's change this joke. Let's change it to this. Try this. Say, right. say cucumber instead of, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I watermelon. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's clearly a different vegetable and fruit. So um, I just uh, I, I really enjoy working in TV. Um, and so, uh, you know, but I, I love it all. I mean, having the opportunity to I mean, come on, having the opportunity to just be working as a performer right in general That's... is is not something that many people can can say that they're currently doing yeah. so and what would you say like your goals for for future i like i always love actor goals in terms of just cuz everyone has a very specific idea of like where you want to be as opposed to where you get slotted right. as opposed to like what roles you get to what you would want like what would your ideal future acting role be um it's interesting. I uh, was sort of asking myself that same question. It was really it was interesting that you brought up Phil Philip Seymour Hoffman. Is um, you know I was sort of lamenting to him about how difficult it is to be a performer with a disability and how frustrating and things like that. And like struggle is real. <laughs> and um, and his sort of advice was really like you know you can you could sit around for the next twenty years waiting for somebody to think of this. To think of you for like, oh, I have an idea. Why doesn't that lawyer be? Why why don't we make her an amputee? Right. So, um, and then on top of that, you might pro you might not be the person they bring into the room. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, with a, a friend of mine named Becca Flynn, um, we've started a production company, and it was sort of you know, and you uh, you've been in some of our you've worked on some of our projects, but. Um, we, it started out as like, why are we, <laughs> why are we sitting on our hands and waiting for someone to give us permission to be right. creative? Um, and so we started to just, it really just was, it started out as like sketches and like funny little things like, isn't, you know, isn't this funny? Uh, the, the sketch that we included yeah. you in is, um, actually been our most watched, um, I'll take piece. full credit on Please that one. Do. I'll take full credit. No. Um, no, it was the whole idea. I mean, it's it was a disabled zombie PSA, and um, and the it's very funny, the, the real I <laughs> thank you the real it, the thought process behind it was like I would be a really fucking terrible zombie because I'm on two prosthetic legs and oh, all, yeah. you know and. Uh, they're battery powered. So as soon as these batteries die, like I am a useless zombie. So um, uh, we just kind of expanded upon that, and and it's been it's been our most viewed um, Look at that. project. It's yeah. really funny. I mean, it's and it's it's looking at disability. I, to me, it's it's not just obviously not just disability that we're working on, but like. That's my life perspective. That's how I see the world. So we, it is included it from time help, to time. Yeah. You can't help but do. I mean, if you're especially writing what you know, that whole right, it's going to be, 
it's going to be in it. It's going to be in it peppered in different ways. Yeah. But you're going to have that. So Becca and I, I mean, to answer your original yeah. question, um, we've st- we started a production company and and we're working on projects that inspire us and and projects that um you know stories we want to tell and i think end of the day i would you know for me i it's it's being able to play a character that lives their life through this lens but is not inspiring precious tragic mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you're just a disabled person that's going to the grocery store to get milk. Uh, yeah, not it's Seinfeld. A, it's yeah. not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, stolen valor. <laughs> like it's <laughs> not, you know what I mean? It's not always this like tragic um or inspiring thing. Um and I think I think getting to that place, playing characters like that. The character I played in Cost of Living was a fully fleshed out three dimensional person with flaws and had her heart broken. Like every human being. And was, <laughs> yeah, a cat, yeah. you know, in the corner, scratch, you know, scratching at people because she'd been so hurt as a human. Um, and it wasn't necessarily about the fact that, like, oh, she's disabled. That's part, it was part of it. Right. There's always going to be a part of that, but there's humans are beyond that. We yeah. all have. Uh, relationships and struggles and things that have nothing to do with the disability itself. So there is that important thing, but you can't help but also talk about it. Right. Um, now, here's something I want to talk about because we get on the, t- the subject of like inspirational things yeah. and dealing with it. Now, I know as a male disabled career performer, yeah. there's a very different world than a female disabled performer. In terms of, I've heard this term, and maybe you can expand upon it, the devotee world and just the fascination of it. I mean, (laughs) I want to get it because these are things that people don't know about. I didn't even, as a disabled person, I didn't know about this until I met more female disabled people who were like, oh, this thing occurs and there's this fascination with women with disabilities. So... For the people <laughs> they're yeah. listening, oh, yeah. there is uh, a um, there is a fetish um, that is all completely devoted to um, sexualizing women and men, but um, that have disabilities, uh, and it's it's really an interesting world that. I've kind there, you know, like I've kind of you you just sort of accept that that's part of it, right? Um, it, but it's sort of the hypersexual hypersexualizing of somebody and like focusing on the disability, like, and it's they're called devotees, and um, it's like you know women in wheelchairs or women who are amputees and things like that. And I'm I'm incredibly careful about the images that I post and the right. things that I put out there because I want to be seen and portrayed in a certain way. And I've had people ask me um, if they could have images of me with my prosthetics off and things like that. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I post what I'm comfortable sharing. Right. And um, sorry, you know, like I'm not going to do. Well, you're not going to just do like a photo shoot for a a random. lingerie shoot for some guy who wants to see me without my prosthetics on. Like super weird. And, but you know, I mean, I guess. 
people are into all, all sorts of fucked up I mean, shit. I don't know. I guess, yeah, in the in the comfort of your own home, but bringing it out to other people and things yeah. like that. It's, I, I just find it such a, like, a weird but interesting level of, like, you know, you go from just this idea of, like, feeling so secluded and then there's the specific group of people who are so into that idea is just a mind-boggling thing and it's one thing that gives me a headache every day and I hear it from a lot of my disabled female friends especially on like dating and all this other stuff that there's this underlining thing but it's just I just I also find it interesting sort of the to me the difference of of being a woman with a disability and being a man with a disability that are performers or whatever the roles that are written, um, like, for example, I was on Legit, which was a show um, on FX uh, that um, I play. Actually, I would say that character on that show was the closest character I've ever come to actually being somebody that I recognize of, hmm. like, this is the closest to me right. that I've ever. She was just a, you know, kind of normal girl, and they were online dating and all of that stuff, and she just didn't disclose Okay. Her disability yeah. up until the very end, um, and uh, and neither did Billy um, yeah. DJ Qualls, who was playing that role, who was an able-bodied guy playing a disabled character. Um, but uh, that even that show, legit, there the pilot was, we're gonna get Billy laid. <laughs> like <laughs> Billy is, you know, was uh, um, was disabled and and needed. 24-hour-a-day care was right. um, paralyzed, basically, from the neck down. And um, they were like, we need to get him laid. Right, like, that, yeah. was the, that was the that premise. That was the premise of the, pl- the pilot. And, um, and I haven't seen a show where women with a disability have been treated as sexual beings right. well, in, yeah, any, right. in any real way. Because I, I, now you say that I see, I, think, I can think of like several films where it's all about like let's get our good buddy who's quadriplegic or disabled, yeah. like, let's get him a girl and like, yeah, let's, let's go to a strip club, let's go to a strip or club, let's, yeah, and yeah, yeah. like that conversation. And it's not. You're right. It's not. There's something about there's this line that we haven't crossed yet that is part of you know what we what Becca and I are working on and what we're kind of going after is you know women who live their life with a disability they have they're three-dimensional people too and that's part of it but for some reason it's a easier to kind of look at men and and that sort of funny way of just being like oh let's go you know let's go well yeah it's it's also the Jane Lynch effect the thing of like when Jane Lynch was going up and her manager would put her up for things yeah. that were male oriented because the writing is, is always different, especially with, like, a woman in power over a man in power and this yeah. idea that there should be any difference, which there shouldn't. And the writing quality should be just as good, if not, like, because you're just writing characters, but it's it's never that way. Yeah. And it is pushing the boundaries and pushing boundaries for things that shouldn't even have a boundary on them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is insane in itself. Yeah. So um, so one of the things that we're we're doing is is pushing the, the edges of those boundaries and and we're we got some cool stuff going yeah. on so it's exciting well i'm glad well i'm and also glad you could come on today and yeah we, kind of get, we touched the surface yeah we definitely 
definitely going to have you on again. I would so love to. So we can kind of go into more detail of other things. But for people who are listening who want to keep up with what you're doing and the new shows, which I, I know you have a lot coming up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where can they reach you? Um, so I'm on um, Instagram and uh, Twitter. Um, at It's at K Bridget S. K. I mean, you could just put Katie Sullivan, K-A-T-Y Sullivan into those things and I come up. But um, Anna and I'm I have a fan page on Facebook. And, Perfect. Yeah. Well, and we'll I make sure that all those details, too, are in in the details, in the show notes. In the show notes. We'll make sure that that's there. Perfect. And, just thank you again. Um, thank you for coming on the pilot. Thanks the for program. thanks for having me. This is awesome. Congratulations on the show. Well, thank you. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 